Good afternoon, students. My name is Jesse. I'm here with a Bible in my hand. I'm going to stand here and read some Scripture today from the Word of God. I'm going to read here in the book of Luke about the life of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, God in the flesh. And Jesus, being filled with the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command that this stone be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You see, my friends, Jesus Christ in His hunger was tempted to use His own power to fill His belly. A stupid song came out years ago by Michael Jackson called We Are The World. and It's a real stupid line in that song that talked about as the Son of God did when He turned stones to bread. Jesus didn't turn stones to bread. You see... As Satan tempted him, he responded with three very powerful words. It is written. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see, my friends, spiritual food, God's Word is more important than physical food. But yet, we won't even give God or His revelation the time of day. Jesus Christ in His life was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. That's why He was the perfect sacrifice. Only He could be without sin because He was God. He was holy and righteous. Only He could pay the price for a man's sin because He was a man. And a man had to pay for a man's crimes. So God became man to pay for the sins of mankind on a Roman cross. But Jesus in His temptation said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That means that the Word of God is important. Not just a flimsy book that you cast aside. You may cast it aside and mock and laugh. You may even smirk when you walk by and the preacher's preaching. But Jesus Christ Himself said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Those are the words of Jesus. Later, he would talk about the Word of God being truth. Thy Word is truth. So either you're right when you claim the Bible is just a stupid book, or Jesus Christ is right when He says that you cannot live without the Word of God. You certainly can't live for eternity without the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Then it says here that the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto thee, All this power will I give you in the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all of this will be yours. Jesus said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. Again, fighting temptation with the Word of God. It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. My friends, it's written in the Bible. To worship God and Him only. But we here in America, we worship sports teams. We worship money, philosophies, politicians, all these things. But it's written 
Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Again, we see Jesus Christ responding to temptation with three very powerful words. It is written. You see, you may come here today, you may mock the preacher, you may mock God, you may claim you hate God or that you don't like what God does. But the, the simplest response to you, my friend, is it is written. I'm not here to argue the Word of God or defend the Bible. It can defend itself. It's done it for centuries and it will do it today. All of your arguments, all of your apologetics, all of your philosophies and philanthropies will not stand before the hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. That's the Word of God. It shows us our heart. It tells the story of redemption, of salvation. It warns of coming judgment. And then the devil brought Jesus to Jerusalem and set Him on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto Him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. This time the devil came at Jesus quoting Scripture. But he misquoted it. He left a part of it out. Just like many of you do when you claim there's a contradiction in God's Word. You misread Scripture. You rip it out of context. When you come up with your false teachings, like the Catholics and the Mormons and all of these so-called sects do, they usually take Scripture out of context, leave something out, add something to it. Getting a lesson right here from their father, the devil. Oh, he quoted the Scriptures here. He quoted them right from Psalm 91, but he left out a very important phrase. You see, it's written in the Psalms, He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. And then as you read that Psalm, thy ways are the ways of God. Yes, God sends His angels to keep charge over us as we follow God and walk in His ways. But Jesus responded doing something we would do well to do, interpreting Scripture with Scripture. Jesus answered and said unto him, It is said, or it is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all this temptation, he departed from him for a season. The Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in all points, just like we are, yet without sin. That's what makes him the perfect sacrifice. God bless you, ma'am. That's what makes him the perfect sacrifice. A substitution. Died in our place. The death of a common criminal, that we might be saved, that we might be made righteous. That's not religion. That's absolute truth. That's redemption, salvation for all men, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But the problem is, as many of you walk by or put your fingers in, an ear, in the ear, you're doing exactly what Satan tried to get Jesus to do there in Luke 4, to tempt the Lord thy God. Why would you tempt Him who made you? Why would you tempt the One who gives you salvation? Tempt Him with your rejection? Tempt Him with your mockery? God is not tempted like a man. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. What He does is righteous. You know, a young man came out here earlier and handed me some blasphemous pamphlet that talked about how wicked and evil the God of the Bible is for putting the plagues on Egypt and for hardening the Pharaoh's heart. My friends, what God does is righteous because God does it and He is righteous. What befalls men befalls them of their sin. That's the consequences. But God in His love stretches out His arms that we might have life, that we might be saved. That's why He sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross. God is not unrighteous. Everything He does is righteous, whether you like it or not. And that wicked nation of Egypt deserved the judgments it received, just like we here in America deserve judgment from God. Yet God waits. Long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
Are you tempting the Lord your God by claiming His name and living for the world? Are you tempting the Lord your God by rejecting the witness He's put in your life? Maybe this witness today is a follow-up from something that God's put before you earlier. It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of Him through all the region round about. And He taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Jesus was a teacher, my friends, a preacher. A public preacher. And He came to Nazareth, where He had been brought up. And as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto Him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when He had opened the book, He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon Me, because He hath anointed Me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent Me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And He closed the book, and He gave it again to the minister, and He sat down. And all the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on Him, and He began to say unto them, This day is this Scripture fulfilled in your ears. Jesus was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And He quoted right there from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. And talked about how He, being Messiah, who had come to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance, to set at liberty them that are bruised, in and through His sacrifice, His ministry and His sacrifice, that that part of the Scripture was fulfilled that day in the ears of those people. Claiming to be the Messiah written about in that passage. But what's interesting is when you compare this passage with what's actually quoted in Isaiah 61, what you see is an instance of the exquisite accuracy of Scripture. You see, Jesus stopped reading in a very appropriate place at the acceptable year of the Lord, which is connected with His first coming. You see, Jesus Christ came once as a suffering servant, written about there in Isaiah 53. He came as a suffering servant to make His soul an offering for sin, to therefore set at liberty them that are bruised, to heal the brokenhearted. He performed miracles to heal the sick, prove that He was God, to do all of these things and to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, which is salvation to all men through the person work of Jesus Christ. Jesus stopped there. Why didn't He continue reading? Well, let's turn over to Isaiah for a moment. Just preaching today, folks. Having a little church service out here. You're welcome to listen. Right here in Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. This is a prophecy of Messiah. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord, Jesus Christ's first coming. And that's how that Scripture was fulfilled that day in the synagogue in Nazareth. But in Isaiah it goes on to say, not only the acceptable year of the Lord, comma, and the day of the vengeance of our God. You see, Jesus stopped in an appropriate place as He preached there. He had come once as a suffering servant. He would fulfill all Scripture. He would lay His life down as a sacrifice not only for the Jew, but also for all men. No man took His life. 
The Jews, the Romans, they didn't kill the Lord of glory. He laid His life down. He rose up from the grave proving that God accepted His sacrifice and therefore life is granted unto all men. But you see, this same Jesus who came once, God bless you, sir, this same Jesus who came once as a suffering servant, it is written that He will come again. Not as a homeless man on a street somewhere, not hidden in a corner, not in secret, but publicly with the clouds of heaven. And when He comes again, His garment is not about His waist as a servant, as a suffering servant, but about the breast as a magistrate, as a judge. And in that day, my friends, Messiah comes to proclaim not the acceptable year of the Lord His first coming, but the day of the vengeance of our God. My friends, Jesus stopped in a very appropriate place there in Luke 4 reading the Scripture. You go back to Isaiah, there's a comma and there's more to come. An amazing picture of the accuracy of Scripture that it's more than just a man-made book, but it's the Word of God. What does it say about Jesus' coming? What does it say about when He shall come again? It says this, And to you who are troubled with us in the epistle of the first Thessalonians, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. When He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. You see, my friends, Jesus came once to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He'll come again to proclaim the day of the vengeance of our God. And when He comes, He'll come in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those that obey not the Gospel. What is the Gospel? The Gospel is that you would repent, turn from your sins, and turn to Jesus Christ, and believe on Him whom God hath sent. Stop trying to earn merit with God on your own terms. You don't come to God on your own terms. You come to God on His terms. His terms are you're a wicked sinner. You need to repent and believe upon the gift of salvation which is Jesus Christ. It's not a fairy tale. It's the Word of God. Jesus Christ is the only way you can have hope, eternal life. Because there's hope for you, because God is long-suffering and not willing that any should perish, you have the great privilege of standing here today in this acceptable year of the Lord when this gospel of grace is preached to be received by all who will believe. But when the day of the vengeance of our God comes, my friends, there is no hope. It's too late. Jesus Christ will be glorified in His saints. And He'll be glorified amongst the wicked when He comes in flaming fire. The day of the vengeance of our God. Consider that today, my friends. Christ Jesus will return just as it was written of His first coming, fulfilled literally. Everything written about His second coming will transpire literally. The signs of the times are all around. It's time for you to stop thinking of Christ Jesus as some mealy-mouthed little weakling that walked around and, and, and begged people to, to, to do better and to try better and performed a few miracles. No, my friends, He was the Son of God. Jesus Christ was the Son of God. The miracles that He performed proved the claims He made about Himself. He opened the eyes of the blind. He bound up the brokenhearted. He healed the lame, caused them to walk again. He opened the ears of the deaf. He raised those that had died to life again. 
proving that He was the Son of God. Proving that He was who He claimed to be. God wrapped in human flesh. And when He rose up from the grave after He laid His life down as a sacrifice, this demonstrated that that sacrifice had been accepted by God. Efficacious. Efficacious. And effective enough to take away your sins. That's why the Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse from all sin. That's not a religious message. A religious message is one about good advice and about moralities and about doing your best and hoping and maybe. But the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is about already done. God bless you, sir. Already done. It's about life imputed. It's about salvation given, not earned. A free gift, not something merited. It's about not hope so, but no so. A free gift from God. And in this dispensation of grace, my friends, by grace through faith you can be saved. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But when the day of the vengeance of our God comes, and God judges this world in righteousness by that one Jesus Christ whom He hath ordained, there will be no more salvation. Wrath will be wrath. So let him that is just be just still. Let him that is wicked be wicked still. Let him that is a thirst come to drink of the fountain of life freely. As surely as Christ Jesus came, tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin, as surely as He came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, surely He will come again to proclaim the day of the vengeance of our God. And you may not think that it's fair that God does what He does, but He is God. He is Creator. He's not subject to the whims and feelings of men, selfish men who serve themselves. Who are we to say to the One who made us, why have you made us thus? Couldn't create some excitement, huh? Too bad, I guess. Jesus is still King. He's still Lord. God gets the last laugh. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Repent. Turn from your sins and believe on the Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's been victory for free speech today. Victory for the Word of God. Praise the Lord. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he's not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Friends, that's good news. That's good news in this dispensation of grace. That's good news in this day and time when salvation is freely offered. When by faith you can be made righteous. The acceptable year of the Lord, but when Christ comes again to proclaim and execute the day of the vengeance of our God, it will be too late. It will be too late. These things will happen. The fact that Israel has returned to the land, a great sign that the Bible is true and that the, the latter days are upon us, the fact that men run to and fro and knowledge is increased, 
a sign that the latter times are amongst us, the fact that the church has become apostate, and that truth has fallen in the streets, that there's a great falling away, preparing the way for that man of sin, proof that the latter times are upon us. Christ Jesus could come for His church at any moment. He could come for His bride at any moment. And when God begins to pour out that wrath upon this planet, the day of the vengeance of our God, those of you who have heard the Gospel, you'll be deceived by strong delusion. You'll believe a lie. You'll follow it to the grave. How sad. How tragic. It need not be. Today is the day of salvation, not the day of God's vengeance. That day will come. It says in the book of Peter, 2 Peter, that men in the last times will scoff and mock at the coming of Christ. Saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the beginning of time, things continue as they always have. That's what evolution says. Evolution bases its theory upon the assumption that processes, natural processes, have always happened at a consistent rate and have never changed. That's quite an assumption. That's quite a presupposition when we see processes altered according to a variety of factors even today. That's why the meteorologist cannot accurately predict the weather because it can change on a whim. But just because all things seem to continue as they always have doesn't mean that God is not real, that He's not true. You know, the reason God waits to bring His judgment is because He's long-suffering. He's kind. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that's why God's judgment, as sure as it is, whether it's today or a thousand years from now, it's all the same to God because it's sure. He sees all and waits because He's long-suffering. Not willing that any should perish. But it goes on to say there in Second Peter, my friends, that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It will come as a thief. And when it comes, it'll be too late. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Man-made religion will damn you to hell. The doctrine of Catholicism will damn you to hell. Islam and the false god Allah, a.k.a. Satan of the Bible, will damn you to hell. The Mormon Jesus, a.k.a. Beelzebub, the false prophet, will damn you to hell. You need Christ. I know you don't like me saying that, but I'm saying it because I care about you and love you and want you to know the truth. The Christ of the Bible is the one who came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and to offer salvation unto all to make His soul a sacrifice for sin, something that Muhammad the man would never have done, something that Joseph Smith the peeper and the charlatan never would have done, something that the Pope wouldn't dare take off his gold ring and his fancy robe and come out of his fancy palace to do. But Christ did. The acceptable year of the Lord. But this same Messiah who came once to bring salvation comes again to bring judgment. The day of the vengeance of our God. And the only way we can escape God's judgment, the only way we can escape it is to fall upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that can save us from God. He's the one that can save us to God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He changed my life. And I'll tell you, if God can save and change the heart of a wicked sinner like me, then there's hope for any person, not only on this campus, but in this country and in the world. But when the day of judgment does come, it'll be too late. Why would you tarry? Why would you mock God? Why would you turn a deaf ear? 
Why not humble yourself and let the Lord lift you up and change your life? Why not draw nigh unto God and He'll draw nigh unto you, friends? This is good news. Not the bondage that religion offers. Religion's bondage. Jesus Christ is free. That's why the Bible says that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Mercy, not getting what we deserve. These things are bound up in God. And these things are available to you. God bless you, ma'am. Well, thank you. It seems empty, but let the Lord do what He'll do. Well, we just uh, like talking to young people. So, God bless you. I'm Jesse. Courtney. Nice to meet you, Courtney. I'm a Christian. Oh, so amen. I was amen. just wanting to hear what you well, I guess saying. that means you're my sister then. Yes, so, uh, um, uh, this is Ken and, and Nate. We just passing yeah. through town. We like to try to talk to kids on the college campuses. So, so. I'm glad you're here. It's a little cold, but we figured, all right, well, we'll go preach, see what well, you do. So, they'll be, everybody will get out about 3.15. Okay. They'll get busy. Okay. Everything runs on 15. Well, I can, I, I can just feel like I'm practicing. So, at yeah. least it's a practice session. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it runs at about like hour and 15 minutes. Okay. Maybe. So, nice. they'll be coming in about 3.15. All right. They'll get quite about 3.30. So. Right. Well, glad you're doing well thanks. Here's a gospel track, and there's my website on there. Tell you how okay. you can pray for us. We try to travel around and preach I a little bit. Give it so. to somebody. Amen. Amen. All God right. bless you. Thank you. Take care, Courtney. Take care. Thank you. I'm going to go back over here to Luke 4, where I was reading earlier. Where I was reading earlier. Jesus sat there and proclaimed that Scripture in the ears of the people. And it says here, All of them bore Him witness and wondered at His gracious words, which proceeded out of His mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And He said unto them, You will surely say unto Me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in this country. And He, ver and he said unto them, Verily I say, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months when a great famine went throughout all the land but unto none of them was Elijah sent save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet and none of them was cleansed saving Naaman the Syrian. Jesus sat here to His own people in His own hometown. They mocked Him. They wanted to see Him a sign. Give us a sign, prophet. Show us who you are. Show us that you really are who you say you are. Jesus reminded him that in the days of old, He reminded them that in the days of old, there were many widows in the land of Israel, a land where people had turned their back on God. But Elijah the prophet went into another country where a humble widow was ministered to. Where there were many lepers in the days of Elisha when Israel should have known God but had turned their back on Him and rejected Him. And the prophet went to a leper in a, a foreign country. Friends, here in America, we've known God. We've grown up in a land where the Bible has been preached. Our founding fathers were Bible-fearing, God-fearing men. But we live in a day and time when this nation has rejected God. His Gospel is everywhere. A Bible can be found in a dime store. But people want to have it their own way. That's why God goes and opens up foreign countries. That's why God sends His Gospel to the ends of the earth. That's why people in third world nations that know only poverty and suffering 
are waking up and turning from their false religions and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe this will provoke us to jealousy. But I'm afraid these truths only spark a hatred for the Gospel in this country as it did there in Nazareth that day. And all they in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath. And they rose up and thrust Him out of the city and led Him unto the brow of the hill whereupon the city was built that they might cast Him down headlong. But He, passing through the midst of them, went His way. You see, my friends, at the, being confronted with the Gospel, men get angry, wrathful, full of hatred and demise. That's what happened to Christ that day in Nazareth, His own hometown. They tried to throw Him off the cliff. But you see, my friends, despite the anger and the oppressive laws and regulations in this country that would try to silence the Gospel, the Gospel is going to have its way. Jesus Christ is going to have His way. He will be glorified. The Word of God will go forth, if not heard here, heard in a foreign land. And just as Jesus passed His way according to His terms and His will that day in Nazareth, so the written Word of God will have its way. It will go out. Have the wicked not learned their lesson throughout the centuries? Every attempt to silence the Gospel Every attempt to stamp out the believers, the blood of the martyrs was just a seed. A seed that built the church. A seed that caused the Gospel to go forth. When believers are persecuted and scattered, they go forth. Jesus Christ is life. His Word is truth. The Bible is a scientific book. Archaeology proves it to be true. The Bible called the earth a sphere a thousand years before Christ when science in the Middle Ages said it was flat. Just look it up in the book of Isaiah. It talks about the sphere of the earth. The Bible predicted exactly according to the year that Israel would become a nation. It was born in a day. Who hath heard of such a thing? It's written in Isaiah 66. Shall a nation be born at once? Can a nation come forth in a single day? Single day. 1948, Israel proclaimed a nation by a UN charter. Just as God had said. Friends, that's science. That's mathematics. That's truth. And that same Bible that predicts the future with utmost detail tells you you can be saved. Tells you you can have life despite what you have done. Christ can cleanse you from your sins. Why would we spurn a free gift and try to pay off an infinite debt that we can't possibly pay? There's no way to do so. So, just in this one chapter I've read to you today from the Bible, just one chapter out of many chapters, Luke chapter 4, what amazing truth is there? In this one chapter we learn about the power of God's Word. We learn about how to fight the temptation of Satan, we learned about how Jesus Christ was tempted but didn't give in to sin, therefore becoming a perfect sacrifice. We learn about how Jesus fulfilled prophecy, how He came once as a suffering servant, He'll come again as a judge to judge the world in righteousness. We hear about how those nations blessed by God uh, are prone to turn a deaf ear just like we see here in America, and that God nevertheless will send His Gospel forth sometimes to a remote corner to bless those in other nations, to provoke those that know Him to jealousy. Praise the Lord. 
We've learned that the Word of God cannot be stopped. It cannot be staunched. That it will have His way just as Jesus had His way there when the crowd wanted to cast Him from the cliff in Nazareth, His hometown. That's just one chapter of the Bible, my friends. And people say it's just a stupid book. That it's just a a man-made book. That's one chapter. Look at the wellspring of wisdom. The wellspring of knowledge contained therein. Pick up a Bible, my friends. See what God has to say. The theme of the Bible from beginning to end, one theme, the Lord Jesus Christ. God's glorification through Jesus in and through Christ, in and through truth, in and through creation, and in and through the redemption of man. Thanks for listening today. I know it seems like I'm preaching to no one, but God's Word doesn't return void. May the Lord bless you and keep you today. Open up a Bible. Maybe you've only heard one word or one sentence. Open up a Bible and see what God has to say. Not just a man-made book. The divine oracles of the Creator. It'll tell you your heart. It'll tell you who you are. Face to face you will be known even as you are known. That's the power of the Word of God. And to those that are perishing, that's foolishness. But to those that believe, it's the power of God. And I know the power of God's Word to change a life because He changed my life. Not because I was good, not because I deserved His grace, but because He is good. And because He hears all that call upon Him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said, any man that comes to Me, I will in no wise cast out. That's not what the prophets of religion say. Religion says you've got to be a certain ethnic group to be part of it. Or certain caste. Or you're this because you were born this way. You can't be this because you weren't born this way. Jesus said, all that come to Me, I will in no wise cast out. Whosoever shall call upon Him or believe upon Him shall not be ashamed or confounded. One chapter today, my friends. I wish I could share more, but my voice is broken. One chapter. Oh, I could read on. Luke chapter 5. Amazing truth. Luke chapter 6 all the way up. Luke 14. Then over there into John. John chapter 1. John 3. John chapter 8. The book of Acts. Romans all the way through the book. That Romans road that leads us to salvation. I already read from First and Second Thessalonians as well. Such a wellspring of wisdom, even back to the beginning. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The law of God. God's moral character revealed. A wellspring of wisdom, my friends. Not written by one man as the Quran, contradicting itself time and time again, but written over a period of two millennia. Some 44 authors inspired by the Holy Spirit from all walks of life. A perfect, progressive unfolding of God's revelation that does not contradict itself. Infallible and without error. Full of fulfilled prophecy. The great proof that God's Word is what it claims to be. Thanks for listening, folks. God bless you today. Amen.